This is Scott Hamilton of Liam News. Welcome to this special edition of 10 Minutes About. Today's episode is 10 Minutes About the Boeing 2020 Year in Financial Results. With me today is LNA's Judson Rollins. Judson worked for Boeing leaving in 2015. He's also worked for Air New Zealand, Continental, and United Airlines. Boeing on January 27th reported its 2020 financial results, and they were ugly to nobody's surprise. Beset by the 737 MAX grounding all year, delays in the 777X program, a suspension of deliveries from October of the 787, continued issues with the KC-46A tanker and problems in the space program, ugly financial results were expected. We're going to talk today just about the commercial results only. So with that, the clock is ticking. Now, aside from the financial numbers, Judson, the headline news that came out of it was a $6.5 billion write-off for the 777X. Those who follow Leham News that for the uh, past uh, two to three years, we've had lots of doubts about the commercial viability of the program. So uh, as we've talked about uh, on uh, Leham before, a lot of that has been over the uh, very narrow customer base and the fact that the 777-9 is too big and the 777-8 is too small, or is a pig, as I think he once put it. Uh, Talk a minute about why uh, the financial write-down of the 777X is so significant at this time. Scott, where I think things have changed for Boeing is that the travel demand environment has been greatly changed by COVID. And we're looking at a multi-year pathway, potentially a half decade or more to get long-haul demand back to where it was. And so Superconnector Airlines like Emirates, Etihad, Singapore, Cathay, Lufthansa, uh, key 777X customers are going to be struggling to fill an airplane of that size. You and I have talked in the past about how uh, I think the words I've used are the eight is a pig and the nine is too big. But let's focus on the second half of that for a second. Uh, the nine truly is a, an airplane that's too big for the market and arguably was before COVID came around. The advantage of VLAs or very large aircraft is that they offer incremental seat capacity at a less than one for one increase in trip cost, which results in a lower unit cost or uh, chasm, that's cost for available seat mile. When Boeing launched the 777X and the 777-9 in particular, they were looking to offer a two-engine replacement for the A380 and the 747 on the assumption that aircraft size would grow ad infinitum and lowest unit cost would always win. However, all those incremental seats have to be filled at progressively lower fares, which results in lower unit revenue or RASM, that's revenue per available seat mile. This is what economists call a demand curve or airline revenue management analysts refer to as a fare curve. Look, airlines don't care about RASM. They don't care about CASM. They care about operating profit or RASM minus CASM. And the problem of very large aircraft is that offering too many seats ultimately results in lower operating margin as RASM dilution offsets the CASM advantage of a larger airplane. So I've been following Boeing for, I don't know, three decades. You worked at Boeing, you know, the mindset in Boeing. And, and granted, that was five, six years ago. But I have never seen Boeing announce an accounting block for an airplane program before the first delivery of the airplane. And on the earnings call on the 27th, Boeing said that the accounting block is 350 airplanes. That tells me that the business plan and the business model along the lines that you've just discussed has just been blown out the window. When Boeing launched the program, Boeing and GE publicly said they thought the demand was 1,200 airplanes. 
we at Leeham always thought they'd be lucky to get to be uh, 500 or even 700 airplanes. What's your thought about the fact that they, they have announced this accounting block now and the demand number is just so low? I think it's a, a, an acknowledgement of reality, really. The 777X's order book is dwindling by the year as multiple customers have converted parts of their orders to 787s like Emirates or downgraded uh, some of their firm commitments to options like Lufthansa. Uh, Boeing now says it has, I believe it's 309 firm orders, but we know that um, the Etihad orders uh, that are included in that that mix are already canceled. If that's not 25 formally. airplanes, by the way. That's 25 airplanes, yeah, if not formally, but in reality, they're gone. I think some of the orders from Cathay and Singapore are squishy at best. Uh, Cathay has deferred its out to 2025 and beyond. Uh, I would fully expect them to convert to 787s or just cancel altogether. Um, Boeing is in all reality now below 300 firm orders for the airplane, probably likely to be below 250 within the next couple of years. Can they make the revised accounting block of 350? Yes, but it will probably take them sometime into the next decade. Um, like you, I was shocked to see the accounting block officially announced this early uh, before the airplane uh, is even due to be delivered. But I think Boeing is trying to set expectations for the market and get all the bad news out in, in public in one go, kind of an everything but the kitchen sink release. So uh, let's move on to the 737 MAX. We know that that was recertified by the U.S. in uh, November uh, Canada, uh, Europe, um, Brazil, Mexico have all uh, approved the airplane for returning to service. Some of them are in service. About 50 airplanes have been delivered to five airlines. And on the earnings call, David Calhoun said there's no sign of reticence in the flying public to get on that airplane. I don't know where he comes up with that because we've seen plenty of polling that suggests a big number as high as 40% or more still have qualms about getting on the max. What are your thoughts? You're, you work for airlines. What do you think? Yeah, I think Calhoun was probably selling his own marketing hype just a little too hard there. Look, would I personally fly the max? Yes. I think the fact that non-US regulators like EASA and Transport Canada have cleared it for return is a pretty good stamp of approval. But it beggars belief to say no one is reluctant to fly the max. There's just been way too much bad press for that to be possible. Um, I don't think it's going to be as bad as it would have been if the airplane had returned to service a year ago. Um, and the traveling public does tend to have a short memory. So I, I do think that within a year or two, you'll have virtually no one saying that they aren't willing to fly the max, but to say that already there's no one uh, reluctant to fly the max. Yeah. That stretches belief. <laughs> yeah. I, I find comfort in the fact that Transport Canada and NASA were looking over the shoulders of the FAA and Boeing on this one. If it were just the FAA and Boeing, I think there'd be a lot more room for skepticism. But EASA and uh, Transport Canada are pretty tough regulators in their own right, I think. Yeah, that's right. I, look, we could do a separate podcast on the FAA's reputational issues. Um, but now you've got some, you've got greater, uh, more, more unanimous opinion on, among the regulators globally. I think that gives the traveling public reason to be more confident in flying the MAX. So... The other uh, kind of big piece of news uh, that was actually non-financial that came out of the earnings call is, is that the 787 deliveries won't resume until probably March, and they were suspended in October because of 
production issues and quality control problems. Uh, they've had inspections. They have fixes that were undertaken. There are really no safety of flight issues, but Boeing has continued to produce the airplane. There are about 80 airplanes in inventory right now, and they're, uh, Boeing will continue to produce the airplanes at the rate of five a month from March. That's going to be a massive uh, number of inventory airplanes to clear by the end of the year, which is Boeing's target. But right now, Boeing really has virtually no cash flow from Boeing commercial airplanes. What do you think is going on here that, that they got the 787 problem after so many years in service? Well, the production quality issues are, I think, pretty well documented and pretty well reported. Um, but I really don't think that's the number one issue that's slowing 787 deliveries at this point. Now, Boeing have said that in the, the near term, they are working through some quality issues. And I think that's part of the reason that um, deliveries have been interrupted uh, since October and probably won't resume until about March. Um, but even once you get out past March, you've got a massive demand problem. Um, again, long haul wide body travel demand has fallen off a cliff. Um, if you look at the numbers that are out from IATA, I think um, long haul travel demand is down more than 80% worldwide, and that's not going to improve sub substantially for the next few quarters. Vaccines are taking longer to roll out than I think anyone initially thought, and you have to wonder how many airlines are looking to defer their wide bodies uh, that are due for delivery this year or next year. A lot depends on the availability of financing. Uh, certainly no airline is going to be willing to pay cash for an airplane in the current demand environment because they're, they're shepherding cash because cash is fuel, fuel is life. Um, so I think it's pretty optimistic that Boeing can fully clear its backlog of 787s this year, especially if it's going to be producing five a month from, from March. Realistically, it may take Boeing until sometime next year or potentially even 2023 to clear that backlog. Yeah, I, I am real skeptical when you look at all the countries that have gone backwards and suspended international service almost in their entirety. Um, how many airlines are really going to want to take delivery of a new 787? And as we wrap up this episode, I will point out that as production rates go to five, Boeing has warned on the earnings call and probably will in its uh, SEC filing that if the production rates fall any further, you're looking at uh, the likelihood of a forward loss position for the 787 program. And with that, Judson, thank you for your time. And we're uh, done with this 10 minutes about. Thank you, Scott.